Well, welcome. If you're if you're new visiting, hello, welcome, welcome to our gathering space. Uh, I'm going to talk to you today about missional living. Hooray! Yeah. Wow, the crowd goes wild. Whoa, settle down. Head in my ears. Um, so we've been sharing uh, some of uh, the vision, just little bits as we've been kind of trickling along, uh, a big part of just really consolidating what God has done in the last 11 years and, and taught us and brought together and directed us in. And uh, so we just thought it was a good time to, uh, to gather that all in together. Um, and interestingly, listening to a, a prophetic word this week from someone that was given a few years ago, but that was one of the words, uh, was, was consolidating things. I thought, oh, that's interesting, because we feel like it's timing where things are uh, rolling out and uh, it's good stuff, lots of exciting things happening, uh, in particular around uh, just lots of forward movement with the Transformation Center, that's exciting, as well as some other ministry opportunities, which we will let you know about in the, in the near future. Within the next couple of weeks, we're going to let you know about it. It's exciting. It's very, is it exciting, Brett? Yes. It is. Very exciting. Um, and so as we talked about those uh, three different kind of areas of, uh, of where Jesus works in our lives. And that is, as I've spoken about before, uh, that the personal, the family, and the corporate, okay? So when we say corporate, we just mean the bigger kind of gathering of people. And that might be, if we talked about a corporate church gathering, that might be all of us, or we could think bigger than that, and the church is in a region, or the church is in a city, in a, in a bigger area. But, but really, we have a personal relationship with Jesus, I hope, that's the point, Amen, is that we are connected to Him personally, but we're also drawn into God's family and we're connected in to a smaller kind of connection of family. And so that is the first point that we belong to Jesus. And we've been adopted into His family. That's an amazing thing. So we're not just a whole bunch of individuals, but we're actually part of God's family. And when we talk about family, we're not talking about your family or my family or what your experience of family was like. We're talking about God's family, kingdom family, uh, gathered under his values and his way of doing family, which is something that we're all learning how that works. And again, we talk about family, we could talk about our life hub, we could talk about this kind of broader church family, but we're also part of a bigger family right across the globe. Billions of people who would call themselves followers of Jesus, and we're part of that, God's global family as well. So we're not isolating ourselves from the rest of the church, uh, but we acknowledge that we have been adopted into God's family. And this corporate dimension is that we rule and reign with Him as a royal family administering His government on the earth. That's a big statement. That's an exciting statement to me. It might be an overwhelming statement to you, but that is who we're called to be. Uh, I loved, I was listening to a, a sermon from a guy called Dallas Willard. Uh, he has passed away now, but uh, he wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy and lots of other things. Great, great man. And, uh, but he talks about discipleship is the process of training for reigning. Because oftentimes we can look at Christianity and acknowledge it almost as like, I'm so thankful that Jesus came and paid the price for my sin because now I'm not going to go to hell when I die. As long as I be a good person for the rest of my life, hopefully one day I'll go to heaven. And that for, for a lot of people can sum up their Christian journey. That may have been the good news that was preached to them is, hey, if you pray this prayer and you come forward at this meeting, you do walk through these steps, then one day you're not gonna burn for eternity in hell. And you go, you know what? 
to come forward and pray a prayer, that's a good deal. That's worth it for not going to hell for, for, for all eternity, okay? But there is significantly more. That's, that's good news um, that we get to be with Jesus forever, but there is actually a, a plan and a purpose that God has for the now, and that is to rule and reign with Him. The Bible says that we are seated with Him in heavenly places. So spiritually, we've been raised up with God and we actually have a, an authority and a responsibility to govern the kingdom and to expand the kingdom of God on the earth. How that expands and how we govern is all um, governed by the nature of Jesus, the character of Jesus. So we could take that and go, all right, we're supposed to govern, so let's go out and start, you know, making people become converts and start, you know, we need to kick everyone out of the government. We need to put Christians in and do all that sort of stuff. That's not the way of Jesus. If you study the life of Jesus, which I encourage you to do, read through the Gospels, you'll see that the way that Jesus inaugurated the kingdom and the way that Jesus explained the ways of the kingdom, it wasn't about domination or dominion. It wasn't about lording things over people or having control. It was actually through service and love and being the leaven of the kingdom the very presence of God dwelling in you and, ex and flowing from you, that actually starts to shift society. Because this kingdom is not of this world, but it's coming into this world. And our responsibility, you know, your responsibility in this life is to make earth like heaven. That's our job. You know, I've heard that the phrase, you know, people would say, oh man, this place, oh, it was like heaven on earth. Every place that we have a, a measure of authority should start to look like heaven on earth. Can you imagine somebody coming onto this property and having an experience that would say like, man, this place is like heaven on earth. Or the, a city maybe, the city of, of Rockingham or beyond and people coming in and going, wow, this place is like heaven on earth. That is actually part of what we're called to live out as we rule and reign with God, bringing His kingdom. That's His kingdom would come and God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's all sorted. God's got that figured out. He is God in heaven, but He is, he is not God on earth in terms of the expression of God. He's always God. He can never not be God, but His kingdom, the rule and reign of Christ is to be established by us. Amen? So we talked about these three areas and we've kind of started at the, the corporate, the bigger end of things and we're working our way back, kind of what they call reverse engineering. So you say, what's the outcome that we're going for? And then we're going to walk our way back. Because sometimes if you start at the small you know, part, which is equally important, and you work, it's hard to kind of capture the vision. Okay, so why would we do that? And what's the point of all of that? But we're starting at the end and we're saying, look, there's this big picture that God has that we need to grasp. And then we start to go, so how are we gonna do that? And then we work our way back and reverse engineer the process. So who knows what the Great Commission is? One, awesome, one, one person. Oh, two, three, oh, there's three, there's four. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got a few, all right. It's an important one to know, okay? So the Great Commission is to go, therefore, or as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded them. And lo, I am with you, even to the end of the age, all that sort of stuff. 
The, the Lord's Prayer, as I just said, the first part of the Lord's Prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, okay? These are big statements and these are part of what we've shared in terms of our, part of our vision is to, to be a people that love God, love others, make disciples and bring the kingdom. And that is the great commandment, the great commission and the Lord's Prayer all bound into one. But if we look at these commands of God, and again, these are not suggestions of Jesus. They're not, when you, if you get around to it, have a look at this. They're commands of Jesus, okay? And because we've said yes to Jesus, we've come under His Lordship. If He is our Lord, we've even talked about this during the week, some people, they're like, oh, I'm good with Jesus being my Saviour. Not so good about Him being my Lord. Being our Saviour means He saves us. Love that bit. Being our Lord means that He directs all of our life and everything is under His Lordship. But if we take obedience to Jesus seriously, then we have to ask, how am I fulfilling these commands of Jesus? A simple question is, Jesus says, go and make disciples. So the first thing we do, who am I discipling? Who am I making a disciple of Jesus? Can you think of a name? Can you think of a bunch of names? Maybe you're thinking, hmm, well, there's no, 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 that's, uh, what? yeah, no, there's no, there's no one. Well, that's a, that's a good place to start, isn't it? Of doing some business with Jesus. It's like, well, actually, you've, you've commanded me to do that, Jesus, and I'm not doing it. That's a problem in our journey, because it means I'm not under your lordship, I'm not being directed by you. So we have to look at it and go, okay, we've, we've got to take these things seriously as followers of Jesus. So, oh, but I mean, I come along, I come along on every Sunday, Jesus, and he might ask you, that's great, I've just never commanded you to do that. I read my Bible every day, Jesus. He's like, that's fantastic. I've never actually commanded you to do that. But making disciples, he's commanded. So we've got to go, well, that's a, it's clearly a serious thing that he's serious about. So we're gonna get on and do that. And it is as you go, the Great Commission says, the Great Co-mission, partnered mission, okay? So it's not the, just the Great Mission, go off and do it. It's a partnering with God. It's a partnering with the presence of God as we go. He says, as you go, make disciples. So it means that we have to go. Otherwise, there is no as you go. It's not as you sit in the corner, hopefully someone will bump into you and come up to you and say, hey, could, can you point me in the direction of being a disciple of Jesus? That'd be very nice. Has that happened to anyone yet? No, it hasn't happened to me, okay. But Jesus, as you go on that journey, on that mission together with me, that you would then invite people into a journey and a relationship with me. So we're talking about living on mission with God. So what was Jesus' mission when He came to earth? In the incarnation, what was Jesus' mission? Well, part of His mission was to inaugurate the kingdom of God. Again, we can think of the the, the life of Jesus being primarily around, you know, He came to save me. He came to die on a cross for my sin and He rose again so that I can live for eternity and one day is coming back to rescue me from this place. And we can kind of nut it down to that. 
But really the message that Jesus proclaimed was much bigger than that. The gospel that he proclaimed, the good news was that his kingdom was at hand. He needed to come to bring his domain, the king's domain onto the earth. That's what he initiated, that's what he started and that's what he left behind for us to carry on. Now, hallelujah, we, the salvation is part of our journey. We get invited into that relationship. All of our sin has been paid for and we will get to spend eternity with Jesus. But eternal life is not life forever in heaven. Eternal life is the life that God gives you to live today. A better way to think about it is eternal living. When you partner with Jesus, when you're filled with the Spirit and you journey with Him, you enter into eternal living. What it's like to live in heaven? Well, it starts with us learning what it is to live in heaven ourselves. So He came to establish His family on earth and He came to, to demonstrate what it looks like to live in fellowship with God and in His kingdom. So people would ask, you know, what's the kingdom of heaven like? And he'd explain it to people, but he'd also demonstrate it to people. That's why demons would get kicked out and people would get healed. Blind eyes would open, deaf ears would open. That was part of an expression of, this is what it's like when heaven comes to earth. Sickness flees. Everything shifts. People come into freedom and healing and restoration. So again, if that was Jesus' mission to begin the work, it's our mission to carry out the legacy that he initiated. Jesus' work was finished at the cross. Our work began at the cross. That's what he birthed. He birthed his family on earth. He birthed this new family on earth. The Bible talks about Jesus being the firstborn among many brethren. He's the demonstration of what it is to live fully under and in the fellowship with God on the earth though. So we actually get to experience that today, amen. That is your inheritance is to actually experience that depth of friendship and fullness with God. So that's the mission to see God's kingdom come, to see the rule and reign of Christ established on the earth. So then what is a missionary? Well, that's somebody who goes to a foreign country and hangs out with you know, different people and maybe starts a church or does something like that. That's a missionary, right? It is, it could be. We are missionaries because we've been invited into God's mission. John 20, 21 says, as the Father has sent me, this is Jesus speaking, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So in the same way that Jesus was sent from heaven to earth, we too are sent from that heavenly perspective into the earth to bring the kingdom of God. We're called ambassadors of the kingdom. So we are citizens of heaven, establishing and representing the kingdom and the king on earth. So a missionary is one who lives to fulfill God's plans and purposes on the earth. That word, um, as a father has sent me, John 20, 21, so I'm sending you, that is the word apostello. So we get the word apostle, which is a sent one. Okay, that's where we get the word mission. It's all from that same root word. So we understand a missionary is every single person who is a disciple of Jesus is a missionary. You might, you might go to your neighbours or you might go to the nations, 
Either way, you're a missionary. And I think sometimes this is again where we've lost some of the traction and the movement of the kingdom is because we've put missionaries in this box of, you know, maybe a little bit weird, maybe a little bit out there, a little bit crazy. You can see my example. Like, wow, they're willing to, to leave everything behind and go to another nation and, and bless those people. And that is amazing and awesome. And God might call you to do that. But He might call you to cross over the street and speak to a neighbour. He might call you just to love on your, your workmates. I mean, He will call you. He already has called you. He's called you to live as one who doesn't reside primarily with this perspective that earth is my home, this is my final, this is it, and just kind of building a nice kingdom for me here. Because there's no, you, you, your home is heaven. And just like Jesus, where you can't go in the flesh into a particular place, I'm sending you out into every sphere of society to make disciples and to see my kingdom established. So this is part of our identity. It's actually who I am, not just what I do. Because our identity shapes our values and our values shape then our behaviour. So again, this is that reverse engineering part. And even as we talk about loving God, loving others, making disciples, bringing the kingdom, we're saying, well, the mission part is kind of that bringing the kingdom, but it has to kind of, it'll end up at the starting point, which is loving God, okay? So we're saying the most important thing is to love God, but the end game and the natural overflow of loving God should be then the bringing of His kingdom. But if we don't understand that part of the end game, the end game is loving God and knowing God, okay? But part of that process and the overflow should then be that His kingdom comes. Otherwise, the, the, the danger is we get stuck in this place of only loving God and yet we miss out and, we, and we, we miss the commands of God that say, would you go and obey me, which is then to go and make disciples and bring the kingdom, okay? So it's this beautiful kind of circular rhythm and flow that we live in. So mission and living on mission from, for God and with God must flow out of who we are and what we value. So we need to capture this vision that God has. It's like, wow, you want to establish heaven on earth, Jesus. And you've invited me to partner into that. You have an expectation upon me that I will fulfill everything that you have for my life. Now in relationships, expectations can be defiling. When we put expectations on people, especially if they're uncommunicated expectations, then we end up drawing from people and taking from them or getting upset with them because they're not meeting our expectations, okay? But the difference is with God, God's expectations don't defile. They inspire and they empower because He has given everything. He's not willing to take anything from you, but He's given everything to you to empower you to go and live the life that He has for you. So you are lacking nothing but you have to go. So making disciples of others then must flow out of our own discipleship relationship to Jesus. So again, we say, okay, God's called me to make disciples. Am I a disciple? Am I a learner? Do, do I listen for His voice with a desire to obey what He, what he says to me to do? 
Am I under his lordship? Or have I just kind of taken that salvation bit and then kind of gone my own way? And apologies, even if that might have been the message that was given to you when you became a Christian. That's what you thought kind of Christianity was all about. But it's not. He invited you into a discipleship relationship. And that discipleship relationship is one of friendship with God, but it's also lordship under Christ. So we have close, intimate relationship, but it never alters the fact that we are under his lordship, that he is God. He will always remain God. And discipleship, part of discipleship, I don't know if you realize this, that God's desire is that you would be like God. Does it sound, it sounds kind of heretical, doesn't it? But that's his, that's, you're, if to be a disciple of Jesus, who is Jesus? He's God, but he expresses himself. I'm the exact imprint of the nature of God. He is the son of God. He is God in the flesh. And what does he call you to be? A disciple. What's the point of a disciple? Is to become like the one that they're following, to become like their rabbi in every way. Did they become the rabbi? No, but they become like him in every way. It goes right back to creation. You were made in the image of God. He chose to make you like him in order that you might express him to the earth and relate to him in a way that is familiar to you both. That's amazing. Two of us think so. So discipleship really is introducing somebody else to your friend Jesus in order that they might become friends with your friend Jesus. But if you don't know your friend Jesus, then it becomes hard to introduce other people to your friend Jesus. Or maybe you know a lot about this Jesus guy, but still I can know a lot about someone, but if they don't really know them and I'm not living in proximity to them, it's hard to introduce other people to them. So again, when we start to, okay, I've got to go out and make disciples. Then I have to ask the question, am I a disciple? So now this is the reverse engineering part. So then I've got to come back to that place and say, Lord, teach me to be a disciple. Teach me to follow you. Teach me to, to pattern my life in a similar way that the disciples did where they stopped going, I've got my stuff to do, Jesus, and I'll try and fit you in at different times in the week. Maybe fortnightly on a Sunday, we can have a chat. But other than that, I've kind of, I'm kind of busy. I've kind of got some things to do. But you'll notice when Jesus called his disciples, they didn't say, oh, yes, I've got three hours of work left, Jesus. If you can just loop back around, you're coming back this way maybe in a week or two. I'll get my affairs together. I've just got to give my two weeks notice for my job just in case this whole discipling thing doesn't work out. And then I've, you know, I still might be able to get my old job back. Or Did they do that? Did, is there any record of any of the disciples? They, they, dropped, they literally dropped what they were doing and they went and followed him. I mean, Jesus talked about people who'd be like, let me bury my father. Jesus says, you're not fit to be my disciple. Boom. You're supposed to be seeker sensitive, Jesus. 
supposed to make the door wide open and make it, you know, everyone like, yes, come. He's like, no, no, the, the door is narrow. The path is narrow. <laughs> the command is to come and follow me. Well, where are you going? You'll, you'll figure it out on the way. They didn't even know where, where am I supposed to follow you, Jesus? Give me a plan, map it out for me. Wherever I go, that's where we're going. Cool. <laughs> We cannot introduce people to a God we don't know. And when we talk about eternal life, again, we can get that picture, maybe that Sunday school framework. Oh, eternal life is living in heaven forever with God and there's roller coasters and fairy floss and all of those wonderful things. That's not eternal life, according to Jesus. Say, so, well, what does he know? Everything, because he's God. And what he says eternal life is John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life. And that is something that we're invited to experience today. Not one day, not someday, but today. And what is it? It's about knowing him. It's, it's intimacy with God. That's eternal life. So then if we wanna share and invite other people into eternal life, what are we doing? We're inviting them into this deep knowing relationship with God. So then again, it raises the question, do I have a deep knowing relationship with Jesus? Or do I kind of have this surface level, we pass each other in the corridor kind of relationship with Jesus? Or it is a deep daily fellowship all day, just in His presence, enjoying Him, being led by Him, listening to Him and obeying Him? loving Him, delighting in Him, being captivated by Him. You know, if, if we come along every Sunday and still it's been weeks or months or years and I'm, oh, I just don't really get into the worship time. Now again, it might, you might like different songs or whatever, I'm not talking about personal preference, but if there's something that's then a blockage to intimately entering in, we've, we have to take responsibility for that because that's what we're invited, that is eternal life. Yeah, I wanna experience eternal life, eternal living. It's all about getting to know God and living in that place. Amen? Is this too much? No, okay. So we must understand then our idea, our identity as a missionary, okay? So if I am something, then everything that I do, everything that I touch, is influenced by that perspective. I don't do missions, I am a missionary. I'm called to fulfill that mission wherever I go. All right, so there are then, what I like to think with these kind of three different areas. Um, oh, this is our, our missionary identity. So, I am a missionary, amen? Say, I am a missionary. Well done if you believe it, uh, and I live out God's mission wherever I go. Everywhere that I go, I am on mission for God. My favourite movie growing up was The Blues Brothers. Uh, I watched it like literally over a hundred times and I, when I was like four or five years old. Um, it was back in the day my nan had recorded off the TV, so all the swearing and the bad stuff was cut out of it because they didn't used to show that on TV. Uh, I watched it when I was a bit older. I thought, holy moly. Um, and I, I, I've only shared snippets with my children. Um, but that's just, you know, I, it, was, it was the 80s. What can I say? Um, 
But that was part of the movie that, that I used to love, that they were on a mission from God everywhere that they went and they would use then. They didn't change their lives. I don't know if you know the this, this story of the Blues Brothers. Two brothers, they're in a, in a, a rhythm and blues band, and, uh, but they grew up in an, I'm gonna get to tell the whole story of the Blues Brothers. I was not expecting this. My day just got 10 times better. They grew up in an orphanage together. Uh, one of the brothers gets sent to jail and the movie starts when, the, when one of the brothers has just come out of jail. They go back to the orphanage to see the nun that raised them, um, just, you know, because he said, that's what we're gonna do. And uh, they go in, they find out that this nun is gonna, they're gonna shut down the orphanage and they're gonna send the nun off to, uh, to another place or whatever. So they're like, hey, we've gotta, we've gotta do something about this, okay? What they don't do, because they feel like they get this mission from God, they go to a Baptist church, one of the brothers has this encounter with God. It's awesome. You should really watch it. It's amazing. Um, I know like probably the first half of the movie almost like word for word. So it's crazy. Um, but anyway, so they get on this mission from God. But again, they don't then go, okay, we've got to figure out some way. They went back to what they were already doing, what they knew, which is to play rhythm and blues in this band. And they got all the band members back together again. And they do this big show. They raise the money. Along the way, they cross a few legal boundaries. And so at the end of the movie, they, they're back in jail. Um, but they save the orphanage and everything's great and everything's happy and wonderful, etc. Why am I saying this? Yes. So this is part of, they, they understood who they were but they saw God impact their everyday life and they used their skills and talents and gifts to live on mission, to fulfill the mission of God. They missed out the whole character transformation becoming like Jesus bit, but they did their best. So uh, the other part then is in the family, I belong to a spiritual family of missionaries. Amen, and I live out God's mission in and with community. So I'm not just a lone ranger, disconnected, but I'm also as part of God's family, I'm a missionary in God's family, and I get to live out God's mission in community and with community, a partnering together. And at the corporate dimension, I'm part of God's kingdom, and I live to see God's kingdom come on earth. So then I see that the vision is also bigger than just maybe the relationships or responsibilities that I have, but I get to partner together with the church community and other churches in a region, in a city, in the nations to see the kingdom of God come. Because it's not about one church or one person. Sorry. Um, it, it is about, it's, it's all of us partnering together. This is that weird thing when there's like um, rivalry between churches and all of that sort of stuff. That happens when we take our eyes off the vision that Jesus has for His church. And we start arguing over like, you know, little bits of theology or practice or all of that sort of stuff. And it just gets nonsense. And I'm, now I'm saying, look, there can be really bad theology and all of that sort of stuff can creep in. And so I'm not saying there's not a place for that discussion. But when it causes division, it's like, man, we've taken our eyes off the mission of what Jesus has for us. Because actually, if we spend all of our time loving God and loving others and making disciples and bringing the kingdom, we wouldn't have time to moan about all of those less important things, the peripheral things. All right. So oftentimes, when we come to think of, of mission and, and ministry and living out this plan of God, we can oftentimes... We, we live in this more kind of corporate end of things where we kind of wait around for someone to start a ministry or a, some sort of outreach that we can be part of, 
okay? So we're kind of waiting around, hopefully someone, because I'm really passionate about this particular area, but I'm just waiting around for someone to start that. So then, yes, I can be a missionary for God. Or, or actually, I'm, I'm not really, I don't, you know, I'm not enjoying this church because they don't do enough of the thing that I really like to do for God. So we end up stuck at this one end, waiting around for somebody to initiate something. The issue is that it kind of puts blinkers on for the rest of our lives. Or even when we find a space and we may say, hey, you know what, I love, um, I love kids and I'm, I'm part of the children's ministry, but that is my mission field, that is my ministry, that's what I do for God. And the rest of the time, I just kind of do my own thing so then I miss out on the opportunity where I'm working with people who don't know Jesus. I miss out on the opportunity where I've got neighbours all around me that don't know Jesus. Because I'm like, oh no, I serve Jesus there in that place at that time. And the rest of my time, I'm kind of not focused in on that. Because I don't understand my identity as a missionary. So wherever I go, I'm called to fulfil the mission of God in that place to bring God's kingdom. So it's important that we understand that getting right back to the person everywhere that I go. That means when I go to the local shopping centre, I'm, I'm a sent one, sent by Jesus to earth to bring his kingdom, to make disciples, to love people in that space. And what it does as well is it makes life with God far more mundane and normal. <laughs> and yet, far more spectacular and exciting. Because you start to realise, oh, you, you mean I don't have to go and like start up some big international itinerant ministry to be, have an impact for God? No, you just gotta be a good friend. You just gotta like just love the people that God puts in your life and befriend them, be kind to them, be generous, express the nature of God in those places. All right, so in these three areas, when it comes to personal mission, my responsibility is to engage and pursue discipleship opportunities in every sphere of my life. So personally as a missionary, it's to be on the lookout for what God is doing in every space that I'm in. Now again, if you start to go, well, Brad, I'm busy. I'm in lots of places. I have lots of people that I'm in relationship with. Do I have to disciple every single one of them? Do I have to bring the kingdom in every sphere and at every time? And every, that's gonna take up all of my energy and time and I'll never get any work done. Don't know if my boss is gonna be happy with that. Um, so what we're not saying is, therefore, I must do every single thing all of the time, okay? That's not what I'm trying to tell you. This is not about doing, this is about understanding. This is having the lens of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus into my life and say, every opportunity exists there for me to, to potentially make disciples and bring the kingdom, okay? I'm gonna get to this, the part of the, the hearing and obeying that's important, okay? Because there is a principle that I'm a missionary, but the presence of God will lead me into the particulars of how that looks and every single person will be different. So I have a personal responsibility and then family mission, as we partner together as God's family, we seek to support one another and engage. Support one another and live on mission together. I don't know what I was saying. Get engaged, everyone get engaged. That's right, no, no. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Sounds good. Uh, 
And finally, we join our resources to impact people and places together. Okay, so we understand everywhere that I go, I get to be a missionary, but I'm also connected into this community, a bigger community, but also a smaller community of what we call the Life Hub. And I get to partner with them in those places, but also we understand that as a church, as a broader church, God might say there's particular things that I want you guys to part, pull your resources together to impact. So this is when we look about things like the Transformation Centre. So what we're saying is, wow, that's, that's more than one person can do. It's also a bigger vision than maybe for one life hub to carry. But God's gonna draw out particular people to help establish that and to run that under the covering of our community. And it might involve people from other churches and other places, it's all good. But we say there are some things that God will call us as a church to say, and I'm, I'm, I want you guys as a community to carry this thing. But it doesn't mean every single person's involved in that thing. But many people will be because God says at this particular family, this Paradox Church family in, in Baldivis, this is what I want you to establish here. And the church down the road, we're not saying, oh, well, we've got a transformation. You need a transformation centre. You don't need a transformation centre because we got one. What is God calling you to do that might be a unique expression of His kingdom on earth that we can partner in with what you're doing there? So we say, well, we've got a transformation centre. A church down the road has a homeless outreach. Well, then means, okay, we don't need to do a homeless outreach. Why have two homeless outreaches 100 metres from each other? We'll support what you're doing. You support what we're doing because our vision isn't to build an empire called Paradox Church. Our vision is to bring the kingdom of God, which oftentimes has no name attached to it. It should. That's the leaven of the kingdom. You don't even know that it's there. I don't know the last time you, you ripped apart a loaf of bread and pulled out all the leaven, pulled out all the yeast from that bread. You ever tried to do that? Really difficult, <laughs> impossible. But that's the kind of way that the kingdom works. It's just everywhere. So you get to bless and you get to support, you get to love. No one needs to put a name on it because it's not for our glory. It's not for our benefit or our blessing. But when we come back then to this kind of central family mission part, I wanna narrow in on one particular framework that we have as a community, as a vehicle to see the mission of God come, and that is our life hubs. And I'm gonna get there after I talk about these areas. So what is my personal mission field? It's my neighbours, it's my workplace, my school, university, my recreation time, whatever I'm doing there, all of the spheres and places that I personally have opportunity to bring the kingdom and make disciples. And then as a family, a, a spiritual family, I'm, I support and I'm supported by my Christian community as I live on mission in these areas. So we're drawing those areas into the life of the church family as well. And then I support and participate where I can in the missional opportunities that God has given to our church community. So it's like, man, yes, this Transformation Centre is happening. We've got the mums group on a Friday. We've got different things that are going on. Youth group on Friday. I was like, yes, but I also want to partner in with what God is doing in that space. We had a great time with the kids, all of the boys on Friday night, and I uh, got to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Different ones had, had encounters. We're doing the Alpha course. It was awesome. It was epic. But you know what? That's the thing where without that opportunity, without creating that kind of framework, we would never have had that opportunity. 
All right. So family, on mission, what we call life hubs. So life hubs are like a family. We, we love and support and encourage one another. But life hubs are also a family on mission. Okay? So we are, we are called to just to love and support and bless. Jesus said, people will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Okay? Sometimes that can be a struggle even in the church for people to love one another. But we're called to do that and to demonstrate that in public. Otherwise, no one will know how you love each other because it's all behind closed doors in secrecy. So no, we wanna do that, but also be inviting people in and say, look at how these people love one another. People should be shocked by the way that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. They should be astounded like, man, you guys look after each other in that way? That's crazy. That's amazing. What a beautiful, wonderful community to be a part of. But again, if we're just closed off doing all of those things, well, we're filling the commandment of loving one another. Yes, but you're also not then making disciples and bringing the kingdom. We live on mission. We support one another as we live on mission together making disciples. Now, again, this might be in direct partnership with somebody because you work in the same place or you play on the same sports team and you happen to be in the same life hub, then you, it's great to be on mission together. Or it might be just I get to share what God is doing in my life in these different places that I'm in. And I get that prayer support. I get, you know, strategic thinking. I just get encouraged and blessed in that. All right. So in a life hub, we, we support one another on mission because we gather together for connection and communion with God and each other, okay? So we're always centered on the reality that it is God's mission and without His presence going with us and being in those places, really there's no point. And it's not gonna be effective. But we also share stories of how God is at work in our lives and the places and relationships where He has called us to live as missionaries. So that should be part of our conversation when we gather together with other believers is we get to share stories. This is what God is doing. I love hearing stories of what God is doing in another place because it encourages me to say, God could do that where I'm at. God could do that in the relationships that I'm in but also helps me to go, wow, I didn't even see that opportunity that I had to, to be a blessing in that person's life. We pray with one another and for one another. Hugely important that we're being blessed and covered in prayer, inviting God into that space. And we invite others and are invited to partner together in each other's missional spheres. So again, this creates opportunity when we're sharing and what's going on. And it might be, I play soccer on a Monday night Everybody should know by now because I talk about it all the time. Uh, but for me, that's a, that's a missional sphere. There is people in my team that don't know Jesus and God has given me love for them and I want to be a blessing to them. And someone in my life, I might go, I've always wanted to play soccer, indoor soccer. Can I join your team? Absolutely. But not just so you can get fit because that's kind of where I started. I need to do something for fitness. But it's, God's given me a love for people. So we get to then partner in together to, to connect with people, to befriend people, to draw them into relationship, to enter into their lives, to love them, to serve them, to bless them, and hopefully to have that opportunity to invite them into friendship with Jesus. All right. I get, I get excited. Is that obvious? All right, this is my bag, people. Like, this is the stuff that I, I love, okay? So if I'm talking fast, it's 
I just, I'm just, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> All right, so if I, if I think of a life hub, it's literally meant to be a hub, a connection point. It's not a meeting, okay? So in the same way we, we don't go to church, we are the church and we gather together as the church. We don't go to life hub. We are part of God's family in a hub where we do life together and we go and we gather together, okay? So if you hear that language, just correct them sternly. Say, oi, that's not how it is. No, you don't need to do that. You'd be loving and kind and, and, and gentle. Um, but it's important because language is creative. It's not just descriptive. So our language describes things, but it also creates things. God spoke the word. So if we use language that describes something in some way, then people go, oh, that's what it is. When it's not that, okay? Anyway. So think of life hub. So like the hub on a wheel, amen? So this is my wheel diagram. Wheel. It's, it's wheelie wheel. Um, Andrew did the background design. I did the middle bit, so you'll, you'll see what I mean. Um, and so we have then the spokes on the wheel. Ooh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Woo. So... If you imagine this central hub, that is our smaller Christian community that we are part of. And then these lines that go out are, are, the, are the lines that connect us relationally outside of that hub. And these are all of the areas that we might be on mission for Jesus, okay? You could probably map one of these out yourselves, okay? I'll give you some homework. I've actually got a bunch of homework questions for you, but you could do this and you could write this and say, what are all of the areas where I'm around people in my week. She might say, oh, well, I go to work and I'm playing a sports team and I visit a local cafe. I'm part of all of these different areas. So you could do that individually. Or you might wanna look at, as you look at your life hub, what are the different areas that people are involved in, okay? So something like work. I go to work, you go to work every day. Maybe, okay. You go to work sometimes. You have a job, okay? Or you don't have a job. You have responsibilities. Is that enough? Is that good there? Oh, I kind of have responsibilities. Oh, jeepers. <sighs> yeah, all right. And that's the road. Yeah, you missed that coming. That's, that's the rubber hits the road. Yeah, mission is where the rubber hits the road. So, maybe we're talking about work. You've got neighbors. I'm sure you live around somewhere or you live in a desert, maybe. Okay? It's going to be everyone's answer. It's going to be something. Oh, I live in a desert. Uh, we'll give you, we'll, we'll figure it out just for you. We'll map something out. Recreation. Again, might be like, nope. Um, that's okay. So we've got our transformation center. Maybe you're involved. Yes, I, I, I'm part, I love, I wanna serve in that and be a prayer minister. Uh, it might be a local cafe that you frequent. Everyone's like, yes, I got one of those. Um, yeah. Yeah, several. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe someone's at school or university. Uh, maybe you're part of a mum's group. Nope. That's probably a good thing. It'd be awkward. Um, maybe you're part of like a homeless outreach. There might be some kind of ministry, missional outreach opportunity, okay? 
but all of these areas, you'd say, these are all of the areas where I'm connecting and associating with people. And there might be things that, well, I just go to my job every day. I don't intentionally feel like I chose that job to be a missionary for Jesus, but I certainly chose to do a homeless outreach because that's my Christian output for the week or the fortnight or whatever. But the reality is every single one of those is an opportunity to see the kingdom come, to see God's will be done, to see the culture of heaven infiltrated, to see disciples made in every one of those places. So I've got to, I do need to say to you as well, when we talk about evangelism in these places and making disciples, you also, we're probably gonna to need to unravel some perspective on what that looks like, okay? Because there's a good chance that you've been trained to do church activities because oftentimes we look at that and go, okay, my work, how am I gonna bring the kingdom? All right, so I'll start a Bible study and then I'll start a prayer meeting and then we'll, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll talk to my boss about sharing communion at lunch and then maybe on a Tuesday afternoon, I'll start a worship service and uh, we'll do all that. It's like, because we, we just, that's all we know what to do in the church is to do kind of Christian activities, okay? So I'm not saying to do any of those things. Please don't do any of those things unless God says specifically, that's what I want you to do and there's a grace and a favour on it. But don't assume that you even know the strategy that God has to impact that place. Come in, it's like, I have no idea how you're gonna do this, Jesus. Maybe you work in a place and it's like, this is a, a bad place to, to work and the people are all mean and nasty and, and they don't like me because I'm a Christian, all that sort of stuff. How is your kingdom gonna come to this place, Jesus? And Jesus says, don't worry, I've done it before. Been around some rowdy crew, they actually really liked me. More than the religious people did. The religious people crucified him. Or the, the non-religious people, they loved him. People would love you too if you could turn water into wine. It's a good, it's a good give me that skill, Jesus. No. Um, so all of these places are opportunities to engage, but you see there's this flow in and out with your Life Hub community in and out of those spaces. So again, you might work with someone from your Life Hub. That's awesome that you get to partner together, be praying with one another, be strategizing together. How can we see the kingdom of God come into this place? And it might be, we're gonna smile at people when we say hello to them in the morning. I don't know. Like that can be what it is. I think sometimes we don't even know, like we've lost the ability to make friends with people sometimes. Like that can be where it starts. Just like be nice to people, be kind, you know? In my soccer team, just stop, stop threatening people with violence. Like just start there, take a few steps back. <sighs> it's hard, man, it's hard, but by the grace of God. Um, but see, then we, what we start to see is this flow in and out of community where we're partnering with each other. And it might be partnering in prayer. It might be just sharing a story, say, man, we're gonna pray. Let's pray now together for that opportunity this week. It might be then saying, hey, I've got um, this, I've been getting to know the, one of the baristas at the low cafe, we, we struck up and I've actually talked to them about Jesus and they're really keen to actually study the Bible. So then I say, it's maybe someone from my life, let's go together and we'll sit down with them and we'll just read the Bible together and have conversations. Or it might be, yeah, a few of my work colleagues, they're coming over to watch the footy. So then I invite a couple of the other fellows from my life up to come with me to be around them to start to build relationship and connection. So you see what I'm saying, it's not rocket science. 
And sometimes we thought, oh, mission and discipleship and evangelism is such a big thing. I know for some people it's super easy, but also sometimes for the people where it's super easy, they're also super awkward people. <laughs> and I'm not sure all the time that the fruit then becomes discipleship. Because I was like, you know what? I'll receive the salvation bit that you're offering me. Not sure I want to be friends. I'll put some boundaries there. If can you throw the salvation over the fence, maybe, and I'll 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 receive it. Not everyone. Some people are lovely. It's possibly just the ones that I've met. But you see, and again, you look at this and you go, okay, but Brad, but where's all of the extra things that I need to do in my life? Where's all of the added time and energy I've got to spend? Can you see it? It's not there, because you don't have to. It's not actually about adding anything extra to your life. It's about having a different perspective on what you're already doing. It's living your ordinary life, but with kingdom intentionality. Putting the eyes of Jesus on saying, if Jesus worked at my work, how would things be different in that space? If Jesus was part of my sporting team, how would things be different in that space? Water polo would be interesting. Um, if, if Jesus lived in my house with my neighbours, how would my neighbourhood be different? You see what I mean? Like it's just really simple, but it's asking, Jesus, how would you love in this situation? How would you live? What would you do here? And I understand this is gonna take time for us to kind of get into that mentality, but it's just that prompting, that daily prompting. And again, when we're partnering together as a community, we're hearing stories, we're like, wow. You saw that happen at your work. I want that in my workplace. What you saw the local cafe owner meet Jesus, I want my local cafe owner to meet Jesus. There's opportunity everywhere that we go. But it's so important, again, that we're not just doing all of these things in isolation from community. I've put this together. This is life plus mission. Okay, this is what sometimes we get caught in this place where I've got, I've got my life and then I've got kind of like Jesus attached to my life and I've got mission attached to my life and I've got going to church attached to my life. I've got all of these things, these responsibilities, these little pockets that I put things in. Whereas the kingdom life is life as mission. So where my work, my neighbours, everything that I'm doing, God is involved in all of those places in very ordinary and sometimes very spectacular ways. So I'm, I'm not saying don't pray for healing. Like if you've got someone, you know, um, in your mum's group who's got a bung knee, ask, could I pray for you? And expect that God's gonna come in and radically heal them. So I'm not saying don't do spectacular things for God, but it might actually be that, hey, can I, can I be your friend? Maybe you don't say that, it's a bit awkward and weird. But you know, you just think to yourself, I could be their friend. And you go on and say, hey, you wanna come over for a, for a barbecue? You wanna come and just get to know one another, you know? Could be you're dropping your kids off at school. All of these relationships with parents. So you might think, you know what I'm gonna do differently? I'm gonna show up 10 minutes early. And I'm not gonna wait in the pick up, drop off thing. I'm gonna park my car, I'm gonna walk in. So I'm waiting near the classroom with the other parents. I'm just gonna get to start to get to know them. And maybe I'm not very outgoing, but you might find an outgoing person who doesn't know Jesus, but would be willing to talk to you. They can initiate the conversation. But see something in that, it's like, I love people enough. I love God enough and I love people enough that maybe I'll alter my timing and I'll shift my perspective in a way that just to create those opportunities. 
But that's what we're talking about. So I'm not saying you might, if you're asking the question and you're working all of this out on how much is this gonna cost me, you've, you've missed it completely, okay? Because it costs Jesus everything, so you better believe that your life is gonna cost you something. You better believe following Jesus is gonna cost you something. And if it's costing you nothing, I'm not sure you're following Jesus. You might have heard of Him. You might have prayed a prayer one time. But if you're following Him, it's gonna cost you. It might, cost, it might just cost you in just feeling awkward sometimes. Stepping out in ways that, oh, that's not my personality. We don't live by personality. What did you call me to do, Jesus? Then I'm gonna do that. I've already said yes before you've even asked me. And at the same time, if it's all about every part of my relationship with God, it's just drudgery and pain and trauma, okay, then there's also maybe something where you're just doing lots of Christian activity and not under the grace of God, not in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Because when He calls you to do something, He'll resource you with everything that you need. Okay, so without the hub on the wheel, the wheels actually then fall off the vehicle. So you lose that connection point, the wheels fall off. And if we talk about as a church, the danger is if we lose this this hub, this family connection, then the whole vehicle moving forward all of a sudden comes to a standstill. But at the same time, if we lose the tyre, if we lose that traction point with the world, if we lose that missional connection, without the tyre, we stay still. We become stagnant because there's no movement. And, I, and, and we've felt that. Hey, you know what? There's this, this sense of where things kind of just like, oh, and people start to get a bit too inwardly focused and start to just kind of complain and you know, morose about everything not going well and all this sort of stuff. And you just end up with this really negative perspective on life because everything gets, again, back consumed into woe is me, why isn't good things happening for me? And it's all about me, me, me. When we start to actually reach out and connect with people that don't know Jesus, then we start to go, wow, there's people who really need Him and I am so incredibly blessed that I get to know Him, that I get to live with Him every day. There's a little saying that I have. Probably not appropriate for church, but I'll I'll use the PG version. If your head is stuck up your backside, you're gonna have a crappy outlook on life. Like literally, he heads up there, all you can see, crap, everywhere. Everywhere I look, it's all crap. It's like, yeah, well then pull your head out and start focusing on Jesus. Look at him, because he, he ain't there. If that's where you're looking for him, you ain't gonna find him. We need that forward movement, we need that engagement, we need to see every one of those opportunities as opportunities for God's glory to be manifest on the earth. But again, if we lose the spokes, then we lose our groundedness and our connection to the movement of God. So we can say, oh yeah, out there, we know good stuff's happening out there and someone else is doing it. And I just do my, you know, my Christian family, it's just nice and comfortable. I get along with everyone. Oh, it's really cozy and nice, okay? But there's no connectedness to what's actually happening out there. So we, we get disconnected from where God is at. I shared this the other night. It's, it's if, 
if you're concerned about, oh, it's just, you know, to go out and to reach out to people and, oh, it's just gonna be so costly and whatever. And is it gonna drain all of my life away? The thing is, Jesus is already there. Jesus is life. So you wanna experience life, go and be where He is. Because I guarantee for most churches, probably anywhere in the world, this is the last place that Jesus would wanna be. You got more chance of finding Him in the marketplace. Because He's out there, because that's where He's like, I, remember I said go, because that's where I'm going. So you wanna come find me, look out there. I get way more inspired and encouraged by just simple opportunities of loving on people that don't know Jesus. I have seen more spectacular miracles as I've prayed for people who know nothing of God than I've ever seen in a church gathering. Now, does God not love His people? He absolutely loves His people. Does the presence of God show up when we gather together? Absolutely, it does. But if you think this is where I find God and I'm not gonna find Him out there, then you're just not looking hard enough because He's absolutely out there and that's where you're gonna find life because that's where Jesus is. Now, do we gather together? Absolutely. Do we, encounter, do we love on Him? Does He love to be loved on? Absolutely, He does. But is His heart aching and breaking for the plentiful harvest out there that's lacking laborers? That was his prayer, that was Jesus' prayer. Just follow the life and the words of Jesus. You'll see his heart for the nations and what he's called us to do. So what are some helpful questions that we could ask ourselves? So this is how you can start to take a bit of an inventory, a missional inventory on your life. All right, so what places do I go to regularly? This could be some of those points on the, on the, on the wheel of the, on the tire, okay, of the wheel. What, this is how simple it is. What places do I go to regularly? Where am I already going that Jesus could come with me? Who are the people that I do or could connect with in those places? I said could, because maybe you don't connect with people. Maybe you do the school drop off and you're like, I'm sitting in my car. Hurry up kids, get in, we've got things to do, you know? Your iPad's fully charged. How could I love, bless, and serve these people? Easy, simple. What could I do to develop deeper connection and friendship with those people? And all these different areas. And again, it'd be a different strategy depending on which part you're in, depending on the opportunity even for connection that you might have. But it might be that you've got to create opportunity. We had, I know a few of the fellows here have dirt bikes and they go dirt bike riding together. And as we we're talking about it, someone was like, hey, you know what, we, we kind of do the ride and we sometimes someone will pray beforehand, you know, and I've never been out dirt bike riding, but I'm assuming, Brett, it can be a little bit sketchy sometimes. So even people who don't know Jesus, like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus, but if He can help me to not hit a tree, I'll join in on that prayer. You know, I'm in. So they'll pray beforehand, but then I think it was grass, like, oh, why don't we have a barbecue afterwards? So rather than just, you know, it's hard to have a deep conversation when you're meh, 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 flat out down a track. But at the end, when you're stopping, but that's how simple it is. And in those opportunities, you might get to hear someone's story and just love on them in that place. How can I engage more in their lives or invite them into mine? How can we start to, to cross paths more? 
How could I invite my community to participate in that? How could my life, I'd be more involved in this process? Maybe it would start by just telling them, sharing with the others in your community. Here's the names of the people in my workplace that I feel like God has given me a heart for. What would it look like for this space to look more like the kingdom of God? How could my workplace look more like the kingdom of God? What would it look like? Even just to dream into that. So imagine what it would be like if Jesus was Lord in this place. It doesn't mean everyone's a Christian. That's not the point. The kingdom can come and nobody knows Jesus. But the, the place starts to reflect heaven. How can I be praying for these people? How can I be tuning in to God? God, what is your heart for this person? What are your plans for them? And what am I going to do differently to see disciples made and God's kingdom come in these places? You've got to commit yourself to doing something. What am I going to do differently tomorrow when I go to work? What am I going to do differently tomorrow when I drop the kids off for school? What am I going to do differently tomorrow when I go on my daily walk around the neighbourhood? Every question that we ask here, God has an answer and he has a timing for. So we need a missionary mindset. We need to tune in and say, God, change my eyes that I would see the world as you see it. But then we need to listen and obey. We need to look for God's favour that we have with certain people. We need to wait for His grace to be upon us, His power to be upon us to do what He wants us to do. We need to listen for His leading and obey Him when He speaks. Not every opportunity is a God opportunity. Again, if you map out, here's all the people that I associate with, how am I gonna disciple all the, and we start to get overwhelmed in that place. Again, because now we've taken it and we've made it our mission, not God's co-mission but there's a partnering that God has. And it might be, you might have one, He might have one strategy for you to accomplish in a week. I just want you to sit next to that person on the train on the way to work and start up a conversation. Well, you want me to, do I have to pray for the healing? Do I have to cast it? No, no, I just want you to, just to, just to love them, just to bless them, just to be kind to them. Because maybe nobody's kind to that person. And I love them so much. I just want someone to be kind to them today. It's simple. How much money does it take? None. Unless God tells you to be generous. How much effort? It's like, is it going to take a whole lot of extra time? No. Is it going to require my obedience to Jesus? Yes. But is God going to fill my heart with love? for the people that I spend my time with, absolutely. Is he gonna awaken, is he? And maybe you're gonna start to hear him because you're actually listening in for what he has to say. Rather than looking for, God, tell me something more about me. He might say, well, as you go, I want you to tell this person something about me. Amen? If you would love to pray with me, I would love to pray for us all. Why don't you stand? Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you, Jesus, that you are the divine architect, Lord. You are the divine architect, Lord, and you are putting things into place, Lord. And even as we're having this this adjustment, Lord, this uh, setting back into place in our lives, Lord, and our focus and our attention on the mission that you have for your people, we just pray for your grace to be upon us, Holy Spirit. Lord, we repent for where we have closed our eyes and disconnected ourselves from the mission that you have for us, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness, Jesus, where we've been selfish in how we've spent our time, selfish in how we have protected ourselves, where we haven't pursued opportunities that you have placed there before us, where we haven't tuned in and sat and listened for your voice in these situations, God, where we've chosen to love ourselves more than we've chosen to love others, God. We ask for your forgiveness and we receive it, Lord. And we do ask for a grace that our repentance would be a full turning, Lord. That you would give us the eyes of Jesus. That you would give us your eyes, your perspective, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So we thank you for divine strategies, Lord. We thank you even just that we would see all of the opportunities, Lord. And we'd lean into you, God, for those strategies to see transformation come, Lord. Father, we wanna see our neighbourhoods transformed. We wanna see our city transformed for your glory, Jesus. Father, we want people to come into friendship and love and life with you, God. And we thank You, Lord, that we have the honour and the privilege to hand out the wedding invitations, Lord, to the feast that You've prepared for Your bride. So we say, break off any selfishness, Lord. Break off that self-protection. Just cleanse us, Lord, from all of those ways, Father. Even maybe for, for us, Lord, where we have been burnt by this in the past, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Would you wash us, restore us, Lord, and just reignite a passion, a fire, and a love in our heart for those who don't know you, Jesus. Because, Lord, it's not just about people coming into the kingdom. It's also about your kingdom being established on the earth. You deserve that, Jesus. You deserve that, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of being part of that, Lord. We thank You for Your grace, Lord. Even in particular this week, Lord, we just feel that sense of grace as we step out in obedience, Lord. Even, Father, as we'd start to write down, I know these are the people that You've placed in my life. What do You want me to do, Jesus? How do You want me to pray, Jesus? How do You want me to love them, Lord? How do you want me to to draw them into relationship with myself or with you, Lord? Father, how can I invite my LifeHub family into this process, Lord? And we thank you for all of the ways and all the strategy and all the power and the strength that we need. We love you, Jesus. 
We bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Um, if you would love prayer for anything, please come forward. Just fill up this space on the wings. Our uh, ministry team would love to pray for you. Uh, don't forget, we're still uh, looking for pledges for the home fund. If you see the info desk, that's just raising funds for uh, the fit out of all of our different spaces here. Love you, bless you.